It's episode 7 of the Improv London podcast with this week's guest, Sarah McSorley. You must wake up. Welcome, gentle listener, to episode seven. I uh, will come as no great surprise to you that I had a great time talking to Sarah and, uh, and as ever, listened back uh, to the podcast before releasing it and laughed all over again. So lots of highlights um, here about Sarah's experiences with Toastmasters, uh, hear what she thinks of Paul Merton, and uh, find out a little bit about applied improvisation as well. And uh, I'd just like to say a big thanks to the uh, team at Duck Duck Goose, particularly Mark and Vic, for letting us use their Churchill room at the Afro Social, uh, especially as we hadn't exactly asked. So thank you very much for that. In retrospect, it was great to have your support. And I'm hoping that Vic will be a guest soon on the podcast. Uh, do enjoy. How have you been? Good, thanks. Yes. It's been, oh, it's been so long since I last saw you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic of radio. Um, yes, so uh, I thought we could talk about all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, how you got into improv, <coughs> particular forms of improv mm. that you know about, your take on them. Yeah. That sort of thing. Okay, oh gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so how did you get into improv? How, how, where does your improv story start? So my improv story starts about two years ago. And um, I just finished doing an MA in Arts and Heritage in Maastricht in the Netherlands. And um, during that course, I thought I was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it boils down to. <laughs> Is that I thought I was funny. And I went to a Toastmasters... There and they're really like massive on Toastmasters, and um, in I don't know if you've ever done Toastmasters. No, I haven't. Tell me what it's like. Uh, so Toastmasters is this huge global organisation of people that like to do speeches and public speaking and right. things like that. And there's a lot of clapping involved. Hey, <laughs> well, we, all I love, we all love applause. That's yeah, why we're in this business. Yeah, um, and people they have like a whole course. Like people go through these like books and things and. They follow like curriculum to improve their public speaking, and there's all this like it kind of like ties in, I guess, with like debating and things, and you're timed, and oh, it just seems to just be an awful lot of clapping involved. <laughs> so whenever someone else talks, you've got to clap them off, and then so shake, like, hand shaking. But so that bit didn't really appeal to me. But one bit that did was the table topics element, right. and that was where you just get you know someone would prepare some random topics to talk on, and then you just you know go for it, and then. Someone would be timing you, and then you couldn't go over. Right. right? And they had like sort of like the green and like the red cards and oh. things like that. And then they'd count your ums. Oh yeah, they had like official timekeeper. They count your ums and like your like ahs and stuff like that. But that was like my first sort of sort of dabble into like a you know it was structured, but it was improvisation. But I also made me realise that was funny as well. Yeah. So that was kind of like, oh, I'm funny. Cool. Uh, well, I think I still think I am. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe we should, they're just laughing. At me. Um, How did you end up in Maastricht? Oh, I used to work. I used to, that's a long story. I used to I used to work for KPMG doing finance admin and analysis, and it was just soul destroying. And I just thought anything's got to be better than this. 
and um, I thought I'd give an, uh, an MA a go because um, I studied landscape architecture initially. Landscape um, architecture being? Landscape architecture, most people go, is that just like gardening? <laughs> and I kind of go, mm, it depends on what mood I'm in. I would go, no, or I go, yeah. But it's it, it, can, it can kind of be like a small gardening or it can be like town planning, urban design, environmental consultancy work. If someone wants to build a huge power station, you have to do an impact assessment um, to, yeah, like urban and sort of street design, parks and spaces, anything really. Anything that's in between building is right. pretty much what landscape architecture covers. <laughs> um, so that degree went well <laughs> and that career path, which resulted in nothing after I finished uni. Um, and I ended up just working in finance afterwards just because that was the only thing I could get a job in. And um, after sort of pursuing this sort of accountancy type stuff for a few years, I was just like over it. I was like, oh, this is horrible. It is like, this is like the worst thing ever. Like uh, I was working at KPMG, Canary Wharf, which is like ticks all boxes or like oh this is a good business but it was just really horrible I just every day I'd go in and sit in this open plan office no one would talk to each other everyone was so defensive and I used to um <laughs> I used to, to try and break up the monotony of this really horrible job that I had to do and go and confront people about their finance finances I used to write them poems <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well it's like the whole department these were not like individual poems <laughs> of specific people um, and just remind them to do stuff you used to write them poems to remind remind them to do stuff yeah because they never do it and they never read my emails but if you write them a poem this had more effect yeah yeah and sometimes there'd be some poetry back and forth between like the accountants which was quite funny <laughs> are we alright here Mark yeah, absolutely. Let's tell us if we're in your way. Yeah, That's well, Mark Tyndall, star of episode, <laughs> previous episode. <laughs> Hello, uh, yes, I'm just going to... You're crashing my podcast. I am, and I'm going to back away now. <laughs> I, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you're totally upstaging me. I'd hardly do that, <laughs> We all know the truth of that one. <laughs> Plus, we have stolen your room, so it is only fair that... Uh... Okay, no worries. <laughs> um... So, yes. so yeah. Poems, poems in the office. I think that's. Uh, did you not think that that's going to hideously backfire? I'm glad it didn't. But did you not think this could go either way? It could things, either work or not? Things were so bad. <laughs> it, it could only get better, and it was just to pr- prompt people to do this really boring job that they were meant to do, like at the end of each week, but they never would do. So I just thought, well, let's break it up a bit, <laughs> see what happens. Um, but the poetry wasn't enough, and so you decided to do an MA. Yeah, that was like my creative side trying to like come out. It was like being like suppressed for too long. That there's only, I mean, you could do creative accounting, but that wasn't really like my. <laughs> I couldn't really get involved in that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's when I was like, okay, right, this is this creative side is not going away. It's going to have to be addressed. So that's one. And doing a degree in landscape architecture, quite narrow into what other degrees you can do. <laughs> so I was quite limited to where I could go and also cost as well. So that's why I went to Holland and um, failed that MA. Oh, no. <laughs> what was that MA in? Art and Heritage Policy Management and Education. Oh. But I learned some important things. Educators. <laughs> Give us your wisdom. Give the listeners of the postcard your wisdom. 
this is going to be, they're going to be so disappointed. Like, it's just about me again. So it's like, I, well, I realised that, that I didn't need a bit of paper to prove that I learned stuff. Um, so I kind of got quite anti-establishment in kind of like, universities, I don't need a bit of paper to prove that I know stuff because it was my thesis that got failed. Right. I took it really badly, actually. I like the failing of that. I t- and I resubmitted and this guy was still like, no. And I couldn't get to the bottom of it. And... It was a really horrible point oh, yeah. in my life. It was shattering because then I didn't have a job. I'd left this so-called good job at an accountancy firm and all of that. And so I've got like a really hard time with like, everyone around me. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and um, so during that kind of point of like not knowing I'd failed and coming back from Holland and really realising that I was funny. That's another important thing I realised. Yeah. <laughs> the second most important thing. Um, and it was a Toastmasters that I then did a acting and stand-up course. Oh, right. Tell me about that. Uh, at Deptford Theatre with Harry I, Denford. I've never done stand-up, and it's one of those things that you think, oh, actually, friends of mine have told me it's not too. <laughs> <laughs> it's stand-up is... It was a really amazing experience because the other people on, on the on the course it was really small course only three of us one of the guys really wasn't funny <laughs> and he really and he wanted to be taught how to be funny and oh, I felt so sorry for him can you teach people how to be funny no okay. no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> end of um, and then uh, yeah and the other guy was he was alright as well I was doing some sta- some stand up before so that was like an intense week of like acting and uh insight into stand-up and what sort of exercises did you have to do remember um so like some of the things like generating material for stand-up there's a lot of writing lists and then you'd kind of like have columns maybe like get a bit of paper divide into five columns and then start with a word start writing down like word association then pick a word from that and then go again and then go again and then go again and go again and then pick a word from the first list and the last list and try and Whoa. create some content out of that yeah yeah. That sounds hard. Um, but yeah. then I'm not funny, so that's... <laughs> you make me laugh. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, it's almost like one person. Yeah. It's two people. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then, so, at the end result of that was doing a showcase at Up the Creek in Greenwich. Wow. Um, and getting to experience all like, the lights and being on stage and things like that and doing a doing a set but doing a really tight set right yes and I just remember the two people before me were dire oh no and the guy was like I'm not going to let you go on there if you're crap (laughs) (laughs) and I was like oh my god this is going to be horrendous he's just like I've just seen two people absolutely die yeah on stage before me um they were so bad the compare had to go back on really (laughs) to try and get the crowd back on side yeah and uh, and there's nothing unfunnier than a room of wannabe comedians waiting to go on stage. <laughs> yeah, none of them are laughing because, first of all, they don't want you to seem more popular than them. And also, they're analysing all the jokes, going, yeah, mm. yes, humour occurred. Yeah. Um, I have a problem with stand-ups, but that's my <laughs> own issue. Yeah, there, there is... Not like, all stand-ups. Yeah, this is kind of an element of that involved. Um, uh, and so, so I spent, you know, like, you know, sort of a couple of days writing this tight set and like practicing it and then delivering it and it went really well I even got heckled and I put that cow down like, boom <laughs> so it, yeah it was like a really good experience but and like the adrenaline high afterwards is like amazing it was like the fastest my heart had like ever beaten it just shows how little exercise I do but, like, <laughs> it was 
it was like boom, 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 boom. Uh, and then on reflection, I was like, that's just so much hard work for two, two, three minutes. Like, yeah. the, like the stress and the angst, like beforehand. And then, I, and then I, was, then I kind of started thinking about it. So I remember, like, improv. Why, why can't I just do that? Like, and I looked into doing improv like a couple of years ago, and there wasn't really anything happening in London. Maybe so maybe like five years ago or so. When you say you remembered improv. I remember seeing improv like Whose Line Is It Anyway yeah. um, from TV. That's basically the extent of yeah. my... Yeah, that's what most people see. Yeah, yeah um, and a little bit of knowledge about Paul Merton. That was about it. Have you read his book? No. It's good, not enough improv. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm a very specific audience. <laughs> oh, it was like with the what was it like the MTV Awards or Brit Awards? Like oh, I can't remember comedy awards. There was some sort of award show he did, and it, something like went wrong, and he had to like and he improvised this like big thing. It was quite funny. <laughs> Excellent. And it was kind of like a like one of those like TV moment classics. You yeah, see yeah, those yeah. Programs. Um, so that's so I ended up doing improv because I'm too lazy to do stand up. <laughs> it's basically what it boils down to is that stand up was too much hard work, and uh, improv seemed like a good thing to do. So that was. <laughs> you looked into it a while ago and there didn't seem to be much. Going yeah, on. years ago, years ago. Like, um, so I don't have an acting background. I've never done stand like well until a couple of years ago. I've never done it. It's never been on my horizon. But improv was something I'd always been interested in and it's kind of popped up like a couple of times like just occasionally like in my life and at that time um, in London um, there wasn't really anything happening or anything I felt I felt that was accessible because some of the things that um, of the the schools are in London is that they are they are the aim of this is to perform and I really didn't feel confident enough to I mean it's one thing to go on stage and like you know talk essentially was like a monologue it's like generated from you and like your, all your observations. But then to go and perform with other people, I'd never done that. Mm. So um, the first improv I did in London was at the Improvisation Academy right. with Paul Z. Jackson, um, who's also the president of the Applied Improvisation Network. Uh, and that was a really amazing experience because it was all the short form games um, that if you're familiar with performance improv, you, you would do. But the, the debriefing of it was... It, I mean, it was almost like therapy, <laughs> therapy in a way, because it was a good like confidence boost to yes. also reflect on my own behaviours in my life. And having failed this uh, MA, which um, happened just previously to doing it, um, it was like a real, yeah, it was a really good process to go through. Like, how do you deal with failure, and how do you, you know, bounce back from that, and how do you, um, you know, move on from, you know. From shit, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. you know, shit happens, and that was like really like big. That was a big shit. Yes, and <laughs> it was awful. Um, and um, so yeah, finding ways to just check in with yourself, right? Um, and be aware. And I wasn't aware of how stressed I'd been um, until doing that, and I realised I'd been stressed for years, and I never really checked in. Mm. Um, but I found doing um, the workshops with Paul that um, I just was like, oh my God, I, I need more of this. Mm. I was like, I was like a junkie. <laughs> 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 I was like, I need more of this. I need more of this. Um, so he recommended that I do um, a workshop with Sprout Ideas. Um, I want to talk about Sprout Ideas. I just want to talk yeah. a little bit more about, before we move on, to this kind of debriefing idea. Because with the... Um, with the short form games, I sort of understand <clears throat> what they are, but what what sort of what was this debriefing 
process. Okay. Because so... I really want therapy, basically. <laughs> this is my roundabout way of getting it. <laughs> Trying to get free therapy. Um, We're already on a couch. Yeah, we are sitting on a really nice leather couch, yeah. <laughs> um, so, with the, the debriefing aspect... Um, because, like, with the Improvisation Academy, the course is not aimed for performing, but all the core skills that you do in improv are transferable into your day-to-day life. So, uh, listening, communication, eye contact, body language. Um... Hello, Vic. We are, yes. But this is your room, so you can do what you like. Um... I've seen Mark. He's tidied up the chairs. He's sorted out the chairs. It was the chair sorting. Oh, thank you. I didn't realise was was. Uh, well, you come in whenever you need to come in because it's your room and we've stolen it. So. Okay. Lovely. Thank you. I see you too. Um, debrief. <laughs> so yeah, be prepared. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, what was I saying? Um, yeah. So like, if you're listening, uh, communication, like eye contact, body language, status. Anxiety, um, kind of the uh, things that are kind of brought up and addressed for me. Um, so with the games, um, I mean, it's particularly like when it, when it kind of comes, we come at it from an angle for like at work or doing presentation skills or something happens unexpectedly and you've got to deal with it and you don't want to. I mean, I was quite happy sending poems around to people at work, but I think a lot of other people might want to conduct themselves in a more serious manner. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd given up at that point. <laughs> um, so people carry around loads of anxiety, um, is one thing I've realised um, from doing it. And with the debriefing of the games, if so even if it's just a um, start off with like a name game um, and then perhaps go on to um, playing something like Zip Zap Zop um, you know, uh, and these are like really low stakes. No one's going to die in this game. No one is going to, you know, tell you off or point at you and laugh at you if you lose. And I think sometimes that does happen <laughs> <laughs> in performance improv. But like, we, yeah. yeah. But um, for people who've not done improv before, it's really about like creating a safe space to like take risks, and the risks are in playing the games. Yeah. Um, and just uh, feeling confident to, um, you know, make eye contact with someone and move across the room and switch spaces. Um, yeah, really, like you know, low stakes games. But doing that gets them to kind of, kind of think actually, it's not the end. This is just, this is just a game, you know. And to get them in the habit of making eye contact um, or vocalising something um, on the hoof. Um, and so it's. Kind of getting people just to step outside their comfort zone, but really giving them so really so important, like the safe spacing, mm. um, to take that risk. Because if you haven't got, um, you know, safety and trust, like with the teacher, then risk taking is totally compromised. And mm. it's the same for performance improv as well. Like if you haven't got, if you don't feel like as a performer, if you don't feel safe, and then you can trust like those around you, then you maybe you're going to be more in your head. Mm. And with the the short form games, um, it's kind of about getting people out of their head and just to uh, be in the moment. So, like with the games, you can't if something's a name or something's getting passed around a circle, you don't know where that's going to go. So you've really got to listen to the person that's before you. So you've mm. really got to be in the moment. You've really not got, got to get interrupted. 
people coming into a room. It's, it's um, their room. We we we're squatting. Uh, yeah, because because then that in, that interrupts the, the flow, and so like you won't be like, okay, how can we how can we win this game? It will be um, how can with the debriefing. You don't kind of you invite them. You invite them to say like, oh, how did that feel? How did how could this work better? And hopefully, like the group will sort of suggest it themselves, or some sometimes they'll try and if it's a game, they'll. Um, I mean, the game can't think of like if it's got a particular name, but you'll be moving around a room. And then you'll say, "Okay, right, only two of you move," and then the rest will stop. And then, "Okay, now five of you move," and the, the group will like, um, you know, self-regulate itself. Right. Um, some people try and strategize that, and then you kind of like try and veer them away <laughs> from strategizing because it's about okay, no one's going to die if three of you move in. I'm sure yeah. one of you will stop at some point, um, and. Uh, just being in a moment more in tune with each other. Um, so that's kind of how the... I mean, I would, I would say, like, the, the elements that I did of the improvisation, they're just, like, the core foundations of, like, any good improv is, like, your listening skills. Um, and sometimes you'll do, like, short story stuff as well, and you'll be like, ah, oh, you're so not... You're so, like, if you're making a sentence, and they just completely use the word that's not grammatically correct. Um, and they're trying to control the story so letting go as well letting go and just being like it's just, just a story no one's yeah these are like low this is low stakes stuff yes yes i feel like sometimes that gets a bit lost in the performance side of improv with making people feel safe to take risks mm. and also um being yeah not being in their head about stuff i don't know what if it depends on what background they're coming to it from mm. but it seems like the there's always a benefit from going back to short form games and doing mm. and doing like the, the listening and eye contact stuff yes. and making those really really strong because then you can like gel people well people will gel together you can't make them gel but <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the idea is that you have like a, a group of people that are like like you know really you know in tune with each other and that makes yes and in so much easier if they're all on the same page and they've all got fantastic uh, listening and, commu- and communication, eye contact, and uh, body language skills. Cool. Yes, I think sometimes short form gets looked down upon because it's it's the one that was on the TV and it's the one a lot of people start with. But having seen a couple of short form groups perform last mm. week at uh, the launch pad, I suddenly thought, oh yeah, no, I really love this, and this done well is a joy, and it's just great fun, and you know, yeah. there's enough room for both long and short form yeah. to exist. Yeah, I agree. There's a it's just like a bit of snobbery, like in with like with people who are like totally into long form, and it's like all they do. Um, uh, I, I don't re- I don't really understand where that comes from, um, or how it could, because improv is such a fringe <laughs> art anyway. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like uh, you, okay, you're not going to be on at the national. <laughs> Sorry, but, but you're it... not going to be getting a BAFTA, or, or you know. So well, well maybe well, but. You never know. Do you never know? <laughs> I mean, it, but I mean, any any kind of um, subculture, um, then you know, the next person along is the person who's your worst enemy. It's so it's like you know, to outsiders, long form and short form, it's all improv. But if you're doing one, and suddenly the other one, oh no, that's completely different. We hate them. Uh, the same with brass bands. It's the same with. You know. <laughs> what? Hang on a minute. It's the same with brass bands. In brass bands. Hang on, enlighten me. I have nothing. 
<laughs> I have no idea about brass bands. I'm sure there's people that don't either. between different brass bands and... Okay, sewing, for example. Because sewing is a more recent example. I've got friends who are into sewing. And the machine sewers look down on... Is it the machine sewers that look down on the hand sewers and the hand sewers look down on the machine? I don't know. It's a sort of thing where if, if you're outside, it seems the same thing, but if you're in it, it's really different and you really hate the other ones. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a whole network of competitive sewing out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Any, any kind of subculture, anything like that, um, that you should be united because it's basically the same thing. They're like split into different groups and they go, oh, those machine knitters, they're not real knitters or whatever. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> really exposing my lack of uh, knowledge about sewing and knitting there as if they're interchangeable, which obviously they're not. No. Sorry, all the uh, sewing and knitting fans uh, listening. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go for sewing machines. It's probably uh, knitting machines. But if you're doing like a fine knit, yeah, 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 like yeah. It's, you, you'd probably want to use a machine because you, the needles you'd have to use would be tiny. Yeah, tiny so I think it depends on what you're trying to use, tiny what you're trying to make. Is an issue. Mm. Uh, I, for, for a comparison, I'd probably go for embroidery and cross stitch. Yeah. Or well, people that do cross stitch, but they don't follow the pattern, they do free from cross stitch. Oh my God, those people blow my mind. Yeah, don't even get me started on metal work. No, no. no. <laughs> just Which like, is like a type of thing you do in embroidery. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yeah, you can do like uh, gold stitching and things like that, and you'll, you'll, uh, the, the, the thread is got, uh, metal around it. Well, like with a uh, soldering iron and stuff. No, you don't, you know, bust thought, out a soldering iron. Because I would have thought the risk of fire of your... your um, what's that thing you put the, the thing into, the needle into, when you're doing your... Yeah, it's all You're right. doing hand movements, which is not going to work. <laughs> well, it worked for you. And I was just going to hope you were going to catch me there. Well, I... <laughs> you, know, you know, like when you're doing embroidery... Yeah, I've got the... a needle and thread. Yeah, yeah what's the other bit? What, the tap, like the fabric? The fabric, that's it. <laughs> oh, that's like amazingly technical. I thought there's going to be more technical terms. It's not just, I suppose it is fabric. I'm thinking of needlework well, where you've got be, the little holes in it yeah, that you go in and out. Uh... I mean, I have to say that the needlework fans that have been listening to this podcast from the beginning are really glad they've listened this far. So like, I've had loads and loads of episodes about improv, but now finally we're getting to the stuff that we're actually genuinely interested in. Yeah. It's improvised needlework. <laughs> Not just for girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's for everyone. Yes. But uh, okay, right. No, but that, if you're talking about um, snobbery and yes. like, like um, things like that, there is. I mean, there is artwork that is uh, like quilting and any artwork that's yeah, like quilting and um, textile artwork that does use embroidery and even machine stitching on top of it. The, the art world, having done a failed MA in art and heritage and my <laughs> prestige to talk about the subject yeah, yeah. yeah um, there, there is a snootery because it's not an oil painting it's not an old master yeah. it's not and even when you look at like the, the things that you know tapestries in like old houses and things like that they never ever say who made it but that will be something that's worth I don't know a couple of hundred thousand or whatever wow but you never know who made it I think there is a way some of the our, some of the works have got we've really diverted off in <laughs> <laughs> they are signed I know who some of them are but um, and a lot of them were actually men in like the you know 16th century tapestries and things like that from you know Bruges and Belgium and places like that I did not know that well I would say they're getting value for money but it's for free so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting they can't complain <laughs> <laughs> well they could just not listen yeah <laughs> and that would hurt uh, well, I'm... I mean, we're about half hour in, so <laughs> if they got this far, they probably deserve a prize. Um, well, uh, yes. Uh, sprout ideas. 
Yeah, so... Tell me about them, because I've never done anything with them either. Oh, this was Dave Bourne. He's so lovely. <laughs> Ray, because it's really awkward when a guest goes, oh, yeah, I think they're really awful That person's person. a real... And then I'm like, well, awful. I don't edit, so... <laughs> You know. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, yeah. So after getting you know my first hit of improv at the Improv Academy, I then went to Sprout Ideas with Dave Bourne, and um, he also runs Funny Side um, Comedy Nights in London. And um, as, so I did a few things with Sprout. This is more just short form games really, and um, just playing with improv. Um, and I did a couple of workshops there, and just got more into it. And I think at that point I'd also started going to the Applied Improvisation Network meetings as well. Right. There's like a monthly meeting. So what happens at the Applied Improvisation Network? Oh, who knows? We just make it up. (laughs) (laughs) All sorts. Um, Okay, so explain what Applied Improvisation is uh, then. Applied Improvisation. Your take on it. I'm not saying this has to be the Wikipedia edition. Oh, I can't get that on there. I've tried. It's really hard. <laughs> um, they're really funny. Um, okay, applied improvisation. So, hmm, what can I think say? It makes me sound intelligent. Um, applied improvisation, I would go for... Um, so there's, there's a kind of like using improv like for like your personal sort of development. Um, like So going to things like the Impro Academy and using games to like check in with yourself and being aware of how you react in certain situations, how, how you want to improve yourself or your confidence. And then there's another element which is to do with uh, using improv, so exercises and activities and games from the short form genre, uh, to, to facilitate um, change. Um, for hopefully the benefit of mankind. Nice, nice. Or corporate corporate greed. Oh, well, either of the two, they seem pretty similar. Yeah, we all want to work. It's me shaking my head. Yeah, we all want to get a corporate gig. Um, (laughs) Yeah, obviously I am available for corporate gigs. Um, I think that's very much uh, what this podcast is aimed at me getting. uh, And needlework. (laughs) Yeah, and and trying to get into needlework. They're very strict. Yeah. So um, one thing that the Applied Improvisation Network has recently done, they've just come back from um, the climate change talks in Paris. Oh, right, Um, COP21. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we sent a facilitator out there who's part of the Applied Improvisation Network, uh, Belina Raffi, and um, she was facilitating some of those talks. So she would have been... Yeah, using applied improvisation exercises, games, activities um, to, to do that. Um, so that's kind of like, yeah, kind of like, you know, the big scale stuff is like um, with NGOs. Um, so that was uh, at the climate change talks, but it was via the uh, Red Cross, Red Crescent climate change uh, groups. And they've got um, uh, people that are like scientists and that's their thing, but they do applied improvisation as well and they take that out into the field and use that to educate, use these exercises and games right. to educate people on a certain topic or subject or... Yeah. I've never experienced it <laughs> right, in those situations. Amazing. But yeah, there's a lot of people out there doing some amazing stuff um, using improv, um, uh, yeah, using applied improvisation. Uh, so we had a conference this year in Montreal, um, and that was really, really good fun. So what happened? What happens at an applied improv conference in Montreal then? Um, what happens? There's a, 
so people can we'll have some uh, some um we do things called AI AINX talks. So we'll have a couple of keynotes each day. So it runs from like a like a Thursday to a Sunday. Um and the events will be taking place on a Friday, Saturday, and then people will be going on Sunday. And there'll be um yeah, some keynote talks uh, from people working in different fields, whether that be um like in the like the humanitarian sector or in corporate um or um their academics um like in psychology as i mean this is and there's like you need know, your techie nerds as well and then there's and then after that that's normally like in the morning and then after that there'll be people couldn't offer to do workshops on certain things so it could be exploring oh god <laughs> you could be exploring like i don't know games for uh exercises for like um dealing with a humanitarian crisis or like in the aftermath or it could be for preparedness um or it could be how to pitch yourself to how because i mean people don't really know what improvisation is let alone applied improvisation so it's a hard sell so there's there's people that are offering business advice as well as um how to develop your your practice as an applied improviser um and then there's an open space as well and there was even some graphic facilitation skills. So people can offer like loads of amazing things. Um, it could be, you know, you get a chance to run a workshop. Um, and Did you run a workshop? No, I didn't. I ah. just went for fun. Hooray! <laughs> I went for fun uh, and drinks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and next year's conference is going to be in Oxford cool. uh, in August. So any improvisers out there that want to get involved in applied improvisation... Next, it's a good time to get involved because there's going to be so many people coming over from the states, and there's just so many amazing improvisers. Not just not all from the US, but a large chunk of them are, uh, and also from Canada. And it's just a really good opportunity to network as well and expand your improvisation uh, repertoire. <laughs> yes, because yeah, it's. I mean, having done applied improv and then kind of now I'm kind of like on the performance kind of end of it. Like I'm kind of I feel like. If I hadn't done the applied stuff, my performance stuff wouldn't be as interesting or as good, and right. I wouldn't feel as confident because yes. not having that background, but also having experienced different types of teachers, yes. and like realizing that okay, as like RST risk safety trust, that's like the little thing <laughs> that if, you, if if the safety and trust are there, then the risk element, which is what you want people to do, is to take risks. Yes, is uh, yeah, it was compromised. Yes, so what sort of, um, when you talk about safety and trust, what sort of things are you thinking about here? Safety and trust. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In in the the classroom setting, in in an improv classroom. Um, Yes, so I I did this one workshop, um, and uh, and, and the teacher was, there was someone on the course who probably needed to go back a step, and they were being overstretched, and he was so rude to her. Yeah. I'll be honest, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And um, I was thinking about this the other day, is that um, why I didn't feel too bothered by this, why I still felt like I could take risks. And um, that was because that, that teacher never won my trust to lose it. Right, OK. Uh, and, and, that and, sounds uh, like, the, yeah, best of a bad yeah, situation. And, 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 I, and, I, and because I, I was like, OK, I'd experienced so many other amazing improvised teachers before right. yes. that I really did not give a shit about what he thought about me. <laughs> so, right, yes. so 
Um, so that the risk element wasn't compromised because that person never... They didn't need my trust for me to take risks. But when you're kind of pushing someone... Yes. And I can only speak as a like participant. When you Sometimes when you like, I feel like you, if someone's getting pushed, then, yeah, that... And that element of safety is important because and it's like that was saying goes like, you know, trust is, you know, uh, what was it? <laughs> How's it go? Trust is easy to, to, to win, but hard to gain back. Well, right. no, trust is easy to lose, hard to gain back. Right. Okay. That's it. Not heard that before. No, yeah. Trust is easy to lose, but hard to regain. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. That kind of sounds. Yeah. 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 So, um, just, yeah, it can be like anything. And, you know, as long as people feel, that they are safe to take risk and whether that be like in terms of feedback or criticism or coach, like side coaching like you know as long as that's done like in a professional way you don't know what because it's kind of like I feel like the performing side they performers could benefit from doing some applied improv because about checking in with themselves and right. knowing like, how they're going to react to stuff and how they're feeling yes and some people come in with so much ego uh, and it's not just that's not just performing that's like teachers as well it's, it's not kind of like you know we've all got it you know it's not like a, you know it's not the end of the world but just check in with yourself because you don't want to upset someone you don't know what stuff they're carrying around yeah like and um, if they're not as robust as perhaps like you thought then that could be really you know upsetting to someone if they're not robust enough to be able to sort of bounce back from that yes and it, it must be I mean it must be one of the challenges of teaching to um, well one of the good things to do is to give the most useful piece of feedback rather than thinking right there are 12 things I could tell this person you know it's a case of choosing the most useful bit of feedback but also being aware of yeah how strong or how resilient that person is yeah because there are some days when you know I want everything I want everything they can think of and then there are other times I just want I just want them to think that I'm good (laughs) (laughs) even if I'm not good um but how as a student, I communicate to that teacher. Well, I don't think I do necessarily. So how they're supposed to know, I don't know. But anyway, mm. it's, uh, it's a thing. <laughs> Something to be aware of. Yes. Um, so you, uh, you did sprout for a while. Yep. And then what happened next? And then I did a, f- a few other workshops in London um, and did some uh, Second City when they came over. Oh, right, cool. How was that? It's amazing. <laughs> of course, it was amazing. <laughs> and that was with Lisa Merchant. Um, what sort of things? So what was her kind of, you know, what was different about her teaching or her courses? Uh, well, I was doing characterisation. I kind of think also it's, um, you get exposed to a different group of people that's always good um especially with like sort of these biggie like name ones as well uh and heavyweights come over um because i think i think on that most of the people were actors or want to be actors that's interesting and and that's when i go back to this like you know core improv skills you know listening and communication and i don't know whether that's something that gets skimmed over yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. classically trained, so I don't know. Uh, really? No. Surprise me. Well, no. <laughs> you're so Shakespearean. Yes. How you hold yourself? <laughs> yes. Well, I should probably stop doing that. Really. That's why it's a podcast, not a video. <laughs> uh, yeah. So being exposed to um, people who would class themselves as actors rather than improvisers. 
um, was an, was interesting as well because they've got so many other strengths that I don't have in terms of like you know they can vocalize much more clearly yes. and stage presence and and confidence. Yes. However, some so like individually they come across as quite well, but. Sometimes, like when it's like the teamwork element, yes. it's a bit like, okay, now play nicely. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We know you're a star, but you, you yeah. should, should play with the rest of the. the yeah, group. and they're quite yeah. So I mean, it was good to learn things off them as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm aware. I would never class myself as like an actor or a wannabe actor at all. I would like to have those skills at my disposal because I I don't have them, and I think there would be good things I could use yeah. in improv. Yeah. But it's a case of. It's one of those things that yes, I'd love to do that, but it's a time money. It's a, it's a time yeah. thing. It's a money thing. And where is it on the priorities? Yeah. Uh, I want to learn to. It's dance. not up there. <laughs> well, it's up there, but it's not maybe number one. I want to learn to dance before I learn to act. Okay. I just want to have. So I want to do. I'd, I'd rather do some clowning and mime. Yeah. Uh, clowning frightens and, me. And physical stuff. Yeah, the things I've heard about clowning just terrify me. Is it, is it the makeup and nose? Uh, yes. Mm. Mainly, it's the makeup and the nose. Mm. I just, I just feel that I would never feel comfortable again mm. in normal without a nose and makeup. No, it's all to do with. Um, it is mainly that. No, it's, uh, it's all to do with like being really low status and then like it being in the shit and like being like I don't know. I don't know if this is all clowning or this was one particular clowning I was hearing okay. about. I can't remember who it was. And I'm like, oh, I don't know really if I want to explore that side of me. <laughs> is it is it along the lines of that um, with like comedy and improv? Is that you're creating a humorous, well, not necessarily humorous, but you're creating a situation together with someone. But with clowning, you are the joke. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's why I like improv rather than clowning. <laughs> While knowing nothing really about clowning at all. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I think it'd be really interesting. Yes. I think it would be interesting, and if you wish to do it, I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's something I'll explore in the new year if I get the chance. Um, what, what other things, if you know, if you had infinite time and money, would you would you study? Um, yeah, probably physical theatre. It's your, it's your room. You've got to come in. Sorry, we're getting crashed. We're, we're crashed. Hello. <laughs> Yes, we're very well, thank you. Yes, we're nearly, we're nearly done. But yes, we realise we're... Are you done or you're done? Uh, we'll, we'll go outside and finish off. It's all right. But this okay. is your room, so... Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, Vic, do you know Sarah? Sarah, do you know Vic? No. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. This is great. <laughs> um, are you staying for the show? Yes. Oh, excellent. Yes, of course. Oh. Right. It's an amazing place, this. I've never been here before. You've been here? Yes. Yeah, it's wicked. <laughs> we like it. But actually, I, well, I don't know what numbers are going to be like tonight because it's crazy. Trains are not very good tonight. Oh, no. Ah. Yeah, they're being a bit funny tonight. Ah. But. Last uh, one before Christmas. It's almost too small, this room now. Oh, right. Yeah, it seems to get regular numbers. Oh, okay. Hey. Hey. Breaking and entering happening. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably go outside and finish. Mm. And you say you don't edit this? Yeah, I don't really don't Are you really sure? Edit. Well, I might edit a little bit. I edited some of the fire alarm out in episode one, oh, but not okay. too much. I have a request like, with, the, with your intro music. All right. That, that you put on um, 
a little snippet from Kate Bush, them heavy people, because it reminds me of improv people. Oh, right, okay. That's my little recommendation. Them heavy people hit me. Let us get out of the duck duck goose people's way. And I'll try and think of a big, exciting question to wrap this up with. We can do like a. And then a bomb exploded. This is like a massive wag. I'm going around. Oh, he does sound like a massive. Bye bye, Sofa. No, 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 this is your room. This is your room. That's, that's so fine. See you in a bit, guys. Yes, we'll see you in a bit. Lovely. <laughs> Cheers. So, and uh, here we are going into the uh, the bar area. Oh, the lights have gone off. That was uh, that was uh, terrifying. Just finish it at the bar. If we finish it at the bar, yes, that would be in no way. Uh... Wow, it's got a lot busier, hasn't it? Maybe we could sit down. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yes, I do sort of feel the pressure to have a big finish now to make it worthwhile listening to all of this. Oh, you've got to cut this out, surely? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm a busy man. I... <laughs> it's kind of verite. I mean, I mean, if they've got, even got this far, I'd be impressed. <laughs> they're 45 minutes of their life that they're never going to get back. Yeah, but I like to think they've been doing other stuff while they've been doing this. So, washing up. Yeah, washing up, you know. Yeah. Well, I really hope, and I genuinely hope that people find my podcast soothing and use it when they want to go to sleep. I wouldn't mind that. I'd quite like that. Because, you know, it's nice to have a podcast sometimes. Did you do improv for sleep? Oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, because I'm trained as an improviser to yes and you. Um, yeah, you could improvise how to go to sleep. I don't or know. improv exercises to get to sleep. Yes. Oh, that's my training coming through again without actually having any way or improv, to justify or that. Or improv to listen to whilst you're asleep. Like those, like sort of like hip, hypnosis. I love tapes. those hypnosis tapes. That kind of, will, you know, make you. I don't know. I love Paul McKenna. Really? I love the Paul McKenna hypnosis CD. Apart. Are from... you getting paid to plug that? No, I'm not. But if Paul McKenna wants to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> I will take his money. No, um, genuinely do. There is one though that is a bit disturbing. Um, there's one called I don't know. It's called something like I can make you feel good. It's not called. That. <laughs> It's not called that, but it's something like that. Um, is this, is this sort of like when you wake up in the morning? It's like it goes that whole, like you know, for eight hours. It's like... not eight hours long. You could put it on repeat, um, <laughs> but it, it, it's and it's and he starts count, asking you to count down backwards okay. from three hundred, uh, two nine nine, two nine eight, two nine seven, etc. And then in you know if you've got headphones on or whatever, uh, you're getting the, the stereo effects and he's like you know. You're in a warm cave or whatever. Okay. Uh, but there's this one bit where he's going, you're looking really good. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, that's taken me out of my trance, Mr. McKenna. I'm sorry, but we've somehow, I was feeling all secure and cherished and now I'm just feeling slightly creeped out. <laughs> but, so you're not recommending 
Well, I felt Not that one. I felt creeped out then. I thought, well, I still feel a bit cherished, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a sleazy kind of cherished, but still, I felt cherished is better than not being cherished at all. <laughs> you take whatever you can get. Well, you know, sometimes. I mean, Paul McKenna's a busy man, so... Is it Paul McKenna? Is yes. Paul yes. Well, so we've covered embroidery hypnosis. <laughs> Dodgy Paul McKenna tapes. Well, I'm just aware that I have a limited uh, amount of things to, that I say about improv, and if I talk about improv all the time... Uh, Maybe it'll be exposed as a fraud. Yeah, exactly. Because like... we all know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, but most of us aren't recording lots of podcasts and then saying the same thing every week. <laughs> I can't comment because I've not listened to all your previous ones. You haven't listened to all my previous episodes? Well, that's very disappointing. How many have you listened to? One. One? <laughs> One and a half. One and a half. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. There are only three out at the moment. Okay. Um, yes. That's 50% then. That's 50 Yes, half of them, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, so I feel that we should... Uh, the should, climactic question. The, the climactic question, the big... The Don't big... worry, I'm used to... <laughs> <laughs> what are you used to, my dear? <laughs> a disappointing <laughs> climax, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just have a cuddle instead. Um, <laughs> Is that what Paul McKenna says in his tapes? <laughs> yeah. No. You look good. Let's just have a cuddle. Yeah. I can make you feel good. <laughs> No, it's, you're looking really good. Uh, you're looking really good. <laughs> Let's just have a cuddle. I hope that people listen to this and are enjoying it in the same way as I enjoy their Paul McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, big, big finish. This is our big finish. Okay. Uh, okay. Don't talk it up. Don't talk it up. No, just no. do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> how's improv changed your life? How is your life different that's a question you're ending with yeah and, I, and I've kind of got to be quite short in that haven't I no. that's huge I, I mean it, I mean like <laughs> I, I will say it's not an exaggeration if I say that improv saved my life wow seriously I'm not mucking around when I say that um, there you go <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> And on that bombshell. <laughs> oh no, you're not Top Gear. <laughs> it's a Top Gear thing. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you say, like, and on that bombshell. I thought it was Alan Partridge. I'm pretty sure um, oh, no. Clarkson says that. When oh he's no. Top Gear. Yeah. I thought that's an Alan Partridge thing. I, I'm, not I saying, I'm not sure he's got like a, yeah. A, I'm not saying that Alan Partridge should be my role model because well, obviously. Well, he should be. Well, he should be because he's the king of chats. <laughs> And uh, he, he also loves Kate Bush. He does. So, you know. And he's a lovely rendition of. Uh, yes. And there's a Kate story. Did you hear the story about when she saw him performing those songs in his show? And yes. She apparently went, oh, it was nice to hear them performed again or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the it's a sort of a BBC documentary on Kate Bush and their interview. That's it. That's where I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They interview him. Yes. Whatever his name is. I still want him to be a real person. <laughs> well, in some ways he is. I just have to say yes all the time. I can't help it when I'm around improvisers. I just have to go yes, and it's just like, it's not oh, true. Yeah. It's okay to say no, though. Yes, well, no, it is. Yes, it is. I said saying yes again. Or is it just rephrasing the yes in that, yes, you're just saying yes to that you've heard what they've said, but it doesn't mean that your reaction has to be a yes. 
I like their offer. That's what their offer is. True. <laughs> I think that's everything. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> this ended so weirdly. It has, I haven't ended it. Oh, oh. I could end it now. You could do, you could do. Some, some gold might appear now. Some gold might appear. I could, I could always edit it. You didn't ask me about my drawings. The drawings! You Dude, about seriously? Drawings. Seriously? What is that with crap? Tell me about your drawings. Knitting and sewing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've lured you here to talk to you about knitting and sewing, and uh, that, that you have played into my plans there, so, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, your drawings, tell us about your drawings. Yeah, so I started doing some drawings. Hooray! So, oh, my drawings! Yes! Thanks. Oh, I didn't think you'd mention those. <laughs> those little cartoons. <laughs> oh, I think I'll whip up. Uh, yeah, I started drawing note in, a, in response to some shows I've seen and some workshops. And because I started thinking about... This, this is where I get a little bit high arty and positive. Yeah, no, no, this is what we're here for. You know, is the integrity of improv- in, like, you know, long-form improvisational performance compromised when it's recorded? Because you see like these like videos come up on like YouTube from yes. you know Second City from back in the day, yes. and they are like great little gems. Yes. How is that still improv? Because it's been recorded. Uh, is that still you know? And you never see the whole thing. You just see like a little glimmer. So I was conscious that there was all this um, all these amazing stories that were kind of just getting lost like, after the shows, and um, there's no way I'm techie enough to set up a camera. And record like everything, um, and, and there's also, not really much value in that. The value is in like the, the little goals and nuggets that come out from the show. So, but after I've watched the show, or possibly even during the show, like, I'll try and make a, like, a, a mental note of what's been really good, particularly visually. And that's what I love about improv is that our minds are so amazing; they will just fill in the gaps. So, if someone says there's a table there, there's a table there. Or, you know, if someone comments on how someone looks, that's how they look. Um, and so I really was kind of just letting loose my imagination. It's like, okay, when people do that on stage, okay, yeah, I'm seeing that. Um, or it could be like some, some something that they've said. So whenever I try to do a drawing, I'm trying to sum up a whole show. Yeah. In uh, just in one frame, yes. With either dialogue or not dialogue, no more than no one person. If I was drawing two people, they would say more than one line. Yeah. And I was really inspired by something I saw in nursery, and it wasn't something that I mean the penny dropped at one point. And I was watching. Um, what was I watching? I was watching Jules Munns and uh, Dave Rosowski and they were doing this um, they call it chairs you know, they like throw some chairs around then they do throw stuff. some chairs around that's <laughs> irresponsible podcasting they walk around with chairs and then the audience member tells them when to sit down is that not the case I, I can't remember yeah that sounds about right <laughs> it's, that's not the important bit oh, right. uh, no you are right that's not the important yeah, bit well, it was good uh, <laughs> and and at one point they were doing the scene and um I think there was meant to be a ridiculously long table between them, and um, 
Rizelski made a, uh, a comment that you know, like he, uh, that Jules's character was, was fired, and he can no longer like be the sort of clown character on TV, and uh, as well about non-visual, uh, non-verbal stuff. And Jules just like made like he's like taking the clown nose off, and I was just like, oh my god, that's like gem, love yeah, that. Yeah. Like and and so that. So I wanted to capture that moment um, in, yeah, in, you know, it's a few simple drawings and lines and it just kind of like went from there because people like them. Yes. You know, if people like your stuff, then you do more of it. Oh, yes, and that's not a good enough reason to do it. Yes, it is. It's validation. It's what it's all about. Yeah, but they are really good and I really like, as you say, the way they capture that moment in the way that, you know, you could watch a video or whatever, but it doesn't capture just that the one moment so yeah. yeah I think like the, the, the challenge is is, is is making them make sense to people who didn't see the show yes I mean at the moment like they're pretty sure that most of the people have seen them and people that have also seen the show or they've went to that show or you know they're in and around the improv world so that's probably like the yes I mean I did one the other day and I didn't put any text on it just because the visual was so funny I just thought it doesn't need any words from it Yeah. so that was more like the character rather than the narrative that came out from that but yeah so, so I just started a sketchbook with like doing these drawings because I've seen so many amazing characters or like little bits of narrative yes. that I'm just getting lost and I was like oh what a waste yes like someone should be documenting this yes uh, and not just filming it because that's boring and lazy and you could probably only really cash in in it in like 20 years if like <laughs> someone's actually made a name for themselves um so uh, yeah that was kind of and then also that I suppose it's like the, being collaborative and like the creative element of improv is that in terms of my point of view is that I'm interested in how improv can stimulate creativity for people who think they're not creative oh right yeah because I really hate when people say they can't draw or they can't I'm like what yeah you can like, it's just yes. lines on the paper yeah. and uh, it's I, the same way that people get told they can't sing yeah yeah <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's uh, different uh, aesthetics. Like, yeah. like in drawings, like you can either draw something that's really lifelike or you can draw something that looks really sketchy, but I mean, it's different aesthetics, but they're both essentially just lines on a bit of paper. So, like, what I liked about, well, what I like about like, improv and partly why I'm so lazy is that uh, you just say what comes to you, like, what comes out. Yes. Like, don't think about it. Like, yes. And that's kind of something that. <laughs> I probably do anyway, like <laughs> socially inappropriate <laughs> comments. So I thought, okay, let's not fight that. Let's go with that. Like that's something I've got. Let's just work that and just kind of, you know, it's kind of made sense in this world. <laughs> it's not frowned upon. Yes. <laughs> but it's good that we have somewhere to go where being in- inappropriate is it's, appropriate. It's not, well, it's not the act of being inappropriate. Just saying what it is that come, what comes out and not checking, not. Yeah. Um, censoring yes. yourself, um, <laughs> and often that often does mean me being improper. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be. It just, it's just how it happens. <laughs> so basically, the improper and the creativity bit. So I just like about the. I mean, a lot of artwork is like historic, like art history, like you know anything you go see at Tate Britain. There'll be a story. There'll be a story, a biblical story or whatever. So you know, if we want to tie it into that, we can. But yes, I we just do. Want, we do. <laughs> Very much would like to tie it. Even to carry that. on the uh, yeah the development of illustration and graphics, tie it back into some poncy art ma- old masters. Yes, that's what I'd like to do. Okay, do it. 
it's, it's stretching me at the moment. <laughs> I didn't mention I failed, yeah. Um, so, uh, the, the fact that I could be inspired to be creative, even if I'm not taking part in a show. Yes, so you're actively involved. Well, you're, you're involved, you're active. You're actively engaged, perhaps. I mean, like, so yeah, there's loads, loads of stuff happening when people watch a show. Like, there'll be emotions will be triggered, and I was inspired to draw that. And then, also, because I just love the art form, applied short form and long form. Nice. <laughs> I, I just wanted to capture those little little moments, and perhaps you know they'll lead to something else. Or because uh, I do this website improv scene. Link in the show notes. Yeah, are you plugging Paul McKenna? I'm plugging my, my own little blog. <laughs> Paul McKenna's tapes get a plug. I'm my little website on there. That's a plug it. That's why I was going to put a link in the show notes so people could find uh, it. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, like, you know, oh God, I can't remember what I was going to say now. You were plugging your website. I was plugging my website. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, so like, yeah, with the, and also with a zine, um, like as in, I mean, I'm people are not, I don't think people over here already come across scenes. Scenes are like, you know, self-made magazines that are typically printed on bad photocopy paper yes. and heavy in black, black ink. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and they'll be covered all sorts of topics. So that's kind of like what I wanted to do again. It's again, it's like a, a fringe art form, fringe creative element. Um, because I'm so rebellious that I like to do things that are on the fringe <laughs> because the mainstream rejected me um, hey we rejected the mainstream first <laughs> yeah yeah we did yeah we did yeah, we, we did. totally did please <laughs> all I want to do is belong oh, no yeah so <laughs> but the, yeah so I'm sure there's, there's, there's hopefully I hope we're gonna I think gonna create something with, the, with these different characters and like mash them together as a sort of like print scene at some point but cool. but really I'm just like oh we can't let all these like amazing improv stories just like like flitter up into the air and yes. just go and just um, I like drawing I like doing that brilliant it's one of my things that's <laughs> what I do excellent sounds good wow we should probably finish it there we should probably finish it there it's gonna be the like you know, there's a the, the patter of ping pong in the background, and some. What music is this? I can work out some sort of soft jazz. Yeah. I don't know, soul or something. I don't know. So travel back in time to the 1920s speakeasy to record the rest yeah. of this. Rest, rest <laughs> oh of this my podcast. god, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, time travel would be pretty amazing. Time travel. I might not do a podcast no, about do it. No, podcast in a like you know like a genre format. Interviewed in the style of, you know, like a. Yeah, that's a good idea. Film noir. noir. <laughs> that's it. Oh, it's sci fi. Yeah. But uh, you would have to be an amazing character, though. You'd have to. Because it'd have to be. Well, I mean. Set the scene. I do like the idea of an ongoing narrative for these podcasts, as in that if you listen to them all, you'll get kind of the running jokes or the running things. So it's, you know, eventually I'm going to run out of people on the London scene to speak to. And so then moving into uh, interviewing in character is definitely the next step. Maybe you could video that. Maybe you could, it depends what kind of characters. I don't know about video. There's something more intimate about audio rather than video. Yeah, video, vlogging, I've never really quite... I I mean, I have watched people's stuff on YouTube, but yeah, I think a conversation... It works. I mean, we can be in people's ears as they're lying in bed. Yeah, telling them, <laughs> telling them that they look good. Yes, <laughs> you're looking good. 
bikini. Right. And listeners should remember that. Yes. Never forget. Yeah. Should we wave goodbye? We should wave goodbye because that, that really works. works in an audio medium. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Wave me bye bye. I made this. Back's improv! <laughs>